0: Morning, everybody, and happy Tuesday, October 5th, 2021. And surprisingly enough, this is episode number five of the Steelers Insider Podcast with me, Jeremy Ritz, and Jim Wexel, the duo that makes up the Steelers Insider podcast. And Jim, welcome to our fifth episode.
1: Doing really good, Jeremy. Getting me up this I I get up this early. For the listeners, it's 5 a.m. for us.
0: Yeah. It uh, it comes pretty quickly, I so
1: get, uh, I get up this early, but I'm not used to blabbing. But <laughs> blab on, we shall.
0: Right. Well, hey, in an effort to generate some positive momentum for the Steelers, uh, I don't know if you'll remember. A few weeks ago, I, I brought up the Ohio Bobcats. so I got my Bobcats jersey on. It, it, you got that hat on. So at least we could talk about one winning team. Uh, <laughs> how Sammy and the uh, the Bobcats doing?
1: I tell you, it's a dream. I, I, I can't, uh, I can't believe what I'm watching. I, I, Pursuit, as I, I think I tweeted and put on Facebook, Pursuit talked me into going to this past week's games, and uh, they were against very good competition. And I was worried so they they shut them out, both, both Bowling Green and Toledo. Wow. And I'm sure Ola is pissed off somewhere. <laughs> Ola's from Toledo, and he loves soccer. And I told him the day that my daughter signed it, Toledo's reign is over, Ola. My daughter just signed with Ohio, And he genuinely got mad. He genuinely got pissed off. So like, take easy, Ola, take it easy. I'm kidding. But they just beat Toledo. So somewhere Ola is pissed off again. Where is Ola?
0: He's uh, in Tennessee. I think he has two sacks, actually.
1: He's decent, man. Everybody yeah. always says, yo, what are you guys watching all those uh, – undrafted guys for training camp they never make it well they should have signed Ola back.
0: yeah and i think they only signed them for uh the, the minimum or maybe a million dollars so they could have had them on the cheap but uh well hey hopefully some of that bobcat good luck you know comes to us and then we could push that out in the universe for the steelers here
1: well you know uh, uh, someone's going to come by this podcast cheap for only a million one of these days so there we
0: go <laughs> <laughs> Looking forward to that day. (laughs) So, But the Steelers dropped their third consecutive game with a 27-17 loss to the Green Bay Packers. Now, granted, they are led by an elite quarterback, so uh, no easy task for the Steelers, but still lots of concerns, lots of questions, uh, probably even more questions now. Um, Still 13 games remaining in the season, but we're going to dig into – Uh, Steelers versus Packers, what it means going forward, and we will wrap up with another terrible three as we kick off our first show of October in episode number five. So without any further hesitation, Jim, let's jump right in. We'll start with the offensive side of the ball, and what better place to start than with the signal caller, Ben Roethlisberger, starts with a a beautiful 45-yard touchdown pass to Deontay Johnson, Johnson showing no signs that he's still – Limited by that injury. And then from there, it goes from beautiful to bad. Um, you know, throwing short of the sticks, looking hesitant and skittish in the pocket. What's your take on Ben's performance? Uh, are we seeing the beginning of the end? Is this just a dip um in how he's going to perform this year? Uh, what's your take?
1: You know, that's the thing that I when I when I start to write my notes columns after the game, and the obvious problem is. Performance of quarterback. And I said last week that I used the word skittish. I think that's a good word here. And I saw I was just looking through the podcast uh options and had Todd Haley Colon. Ben doesn't trust his line yet. And that was last week, so I didn't watch it. But I mean it's right on what we were talking about last week. He doesn't trust his offensive line. And uh uh, you know, I don't know that all his skill is gone. You know, he's slower. And, boy, he's sure missing a lot of passes. Yeah. Overthrowing. He, you can see he's dropping his elbow down, and he knows it. He's dropping his elbow down, and he's trying to aim it so perfectly so, so many times. It's just not the old Ben with the accuracy. You know, accurate quarterbacks don't have to think about it, Yeah. Yeah. So he's thinking about it, and trying to make the perfect throw, and it's dropping his elbow, and the ball's sailing on him. But it's the line; it's the line that has him skittish. Yeah, and uh, to go along with the natural decline of a guy at thirty-nine. Yeah. Um. So, uh, but uh, you know, anyway, when I go to write about Ben, and we all see it—that you really don't need me to say he's too old now. Mm-hmm. You don't have to say it. I don't have to say it. These guys, they, they want to be the first to, to proclaim it, you know. They I said it last month, I said it last year, I said it two years ago. Yeah. But whatever. You know, it's it's hard to watch. I rewatched the Packers game and it felt like it was seven hours long. <laughs> Jeez. You say there's 13 left. I don't know how you know, it's just grim viewing. It's yeah. grim
0: Yeah. Yeah. And um, something that I caught uh on social media the other day was that uh apparently Charlie batch indicated that the Ben's autonomy to change the plate the line of scrimmage was taken away now there's no way of verifying that that's accurate but um just looking at some of those passes there was a play I think in the fourth quarter where immediately upon taking the snap he goes to the check down of Najee Harris but Freyermouth is wide open on the left hand side and if he would have just waited you know one second longer um but like you said that skittishness that lack of confidence, you know, he, he didn't. And, you know, uh, Harris got stopped for a loss, but you think there's any truth to that report,
1: man, you know, you know, what's going to happen. Here we go again with the coordinator. Mm-hmm. It's going to be around about this week. Charlie Batch said, you know, the, the reporters with the, this guy said this, so we're going to see, you know, Ben, Ben talks Wednesday morning mm-hmm. and, uh, we'll hear a bunch of, blather I you know i i'm not so sure we can trust ben's play calling either just what we've been watching and over the years what his game was and how coordinators have um, seemed to struggle with him and now it's it, ben seemed to be making the biggest racket about the new coordinator everybody else says this is easy i got this and ben always kept saying Well, you know, we're having trouble picking this up. It's new. Yeah. You know, maybe Ben's had more trouble picking up offenses and X's and O's and and understanding defenses than we've all been led to believe because of the way he's played is escape pressure and find somebody who breaks open. I mean, that's what stands out now, now that we hear this kind of thing. So it's, it's not a surprise. I don't think it would be a surprise to anybody your coordinator putting her foot down and you know we're not doing this anymore mm-hmm. hey I don't know we'll find out more well it's uh it's I don't know if it's worth the while really all right I, I I don't mean to put everybody to sleep and tune out on the season but it's grim viewing yeah
0: yeah well while Ben's trajectory may be pointed downward one player that whose trajectory is pointed upward, and there's some reason for optimism, is Najee Harris probably had his best rushing performance, and had they would have stuck with the running game a bit more, um, maybe he would have eclipsed 100 yards for the first time the season. But he's made contributions in the passing game as well. Um, How have you seen Harris evolve these first four games, and do you think he becomes more of a focal point moving
1: forward? He's really moving piles, isn't he? Yeah, Some of those, uh, I think it was a five yard, he needed five yards for the sticks. He carried a whole pile, five yards, and then it was called back by a holding call behind him mm-hmm. on the left tackle. Uh, his his third and ones, you know, uh, they've got to be given, they've got to give it to him more. And none of this, no more of this nonsense on third and one, fourth and one, you know, don't mess around. Yeah, uh, yeah uh, otherwise, he's just getting more comfortable. Yeah, he's, he's what we've seen. He's he's like Ben, you know, what do we need to describe him with after we watch? You know, you don't have, you don't need me to tell you Ben's on the decline. You don't need me to tell you Raji's on the upswing. Right. It's just, it's pretty obvious. Yeah. And his demeanor is just fantastic.
0: Yeah, he's uh, been a great interview to to watch. <laughs> he's pretty uh, raw and just authentic. I know I've enjoyed it. Okay. Uh, yes. you know, his interactions with the media. Um, but Ben had some interesting comments about Harris following that game. That said he needed to be more physical and run scary and said, you know, Jerome used to not slow down before contact. I don't know if you read that comment or saw that, but what what was Ben's intent with, with those statements?
1: Well, let's say this. During the game, the broadcaster said, Ben told me that Najee could be the greatest back he's played with, and that includes Benison Bell. So you, you you raise your eyebrow a little bit. So maybe Ben remembered he had said that he wanted to make amends to Jerome. I don't know. (laughs) I I don't, you know. I'm not saying we're all tired of Ben, but we've seen all this stuff before. I mean, to Mm -hmm. parse his comments after a game in which he struggled again is a little unfair to him. I know he's the one saying these things, but these are tough times for him. And we know how he's been.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Not, some of the stuff he's always said after games has been questionable. And I just let it go. I, yeah. I, I'm not, I, I missed what you're saying.
2: Okay. And
1: when you read it back to me, all I could think of was what he said to Tony Romo. So mm-hmm. maybe he's trying to justify that a little bit or balance it.
0: Got it. Well, Jimmy, you notes know, not a Steelers insider podcast without a general Joe Hague reference. Uh, and the general stepped in for Chooks there on uh, right tackle uh, being that he was in the concussion protocol and while he didn't have a, a out-of-this-world performance, he was steady uh, and the the team had its best rushing performance. I don't know if you got a chance to maybe zero in on Haig for a few plays, but what did you think of his performance and really the offensive line in general?
1: I was thinking, how bad is the guy he's going against? <laughs> <laughs> Ugh. uh no uh yeah he's he's serviceable you know it would be like half an hour playing center
2: mm-hmm.
1: you say okay. well i've seen this guy get ragdolled a lot but he's a lot smoother understands the game better would probably provide more for lack of a better word smoothness up front mm-hmm. and that's what Hag's doing right now uh right you know he's not that long uh term guy but. Not a bad backup. And, uh, you know, if he plays over 25%, and I doubt the Steelers will ever admit this, but uh, the um, the analytics guys who watch compensation picks, who study that stuff, who I've come to trust because they're usually right, they say if he plays over 25%, they lose a fifth-round comp pick. Got and it. The Steelers will be aware of that, will not admit to it, because they when they have to bench him, when Banner does come back, They'll try to get to keep that stat uh, snap count under, but I mean they'll play to win. Mm-hmm. They'll play to win, and so far he gives them a better chance. And I just wonder when Banner comes back if he proves himself. If they gonna if they're gonna put Chukes back over left tackle, that's the only question I have. I don't think that would happen,
0: mm-hmm.
1: but uh, it's possible.
0: Yeah. And just so you know, I don't know if you're aware, but your uh, general nickname is sticking a bit because I've seen it uh, coming from a few Steelers writers on Twitter. So uh, the general <laughs> well, is taking over.
1: You know, here's here's what we do. We sit there and we watch uh, binoculars and we see the, who's coming in and out, nickel, dime. Some of us nerds are trying to figure all out their sub packages and, and their O-line and it's like general alert, the general's in, <laughs> hear it all. So if they, if they like it, they start to use it.
2: Yeah. Yeah.
1: That's not the, I, I will credit for fast. Willie Parker. General Hag is kind of,
0: <laughs> <you know. laughs> Oh my, that's good stuff. All right. Uh, switching sides here uh, to the defense, you know, after, after the Buffalo game, you know, I know I was thinking that, wow, this really looks like a, a, a unit that can contend. It looks like a unit that's going to be better than the previous season, but you know, they've been hit pretty hard by injuries. Uh, and on Sunday, really across the board, they didn't play well. Now, whether that's a result of the offense um, not providing anything again, uh, but just starting with the pass rush. Um, I know that TJ Watt had two sacks. One of those, uh, you know, he should have been flagged for a trip. I know it he was held on that play, but why the absence of the pass rush? And um, do you think Watt is fully recovered for the, from that injury? or? He's still working his way back.
1: I saw Watt at last Wednesday's practice. I I couldn't believe he played. Mm -hmm. I didn't watch the other practices because I had some Bobcat soccer to watch. And we can't report what we see at practice anyway, like I'm doing right now.
0: (laughs) This is the Steelers Insider podcast.
1: (laughs) (laughs) It was last week. And he looked so stiff. I didn't know. And I asked Wolfley about it as we had in our uh, A to Z, Wolfley said, you know, you can play with those things. Apparently they don't get worse. So okay. uh, you can shoot it up. And uh, I just assume that he's still feeling the effects because Wednesday he looks so stiff and so bad. So there's that. And he didn't look all that bad on Sunday. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they only, they tried to do it with four. Every now and then they blitz a guy like Devin came free. Yeah. They did some good things. I, I thought Devin looked great. It was nice to see Devin return. He was a he was a sideline to sideline guy, and he he would get to that sideline with some force.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: He and Minka, I, I thought both of them brought heavy tackles when they came. And um, with the lack of a pass rush, hey Aaron Rodgers, you know you are trying yeah. to get him four because he's such a exquisite veteran you know you start blitzing that guy he's gonna he's gonna read you and burn you yeah so um they tried to get there before a lot of times it wasn't working but i don't know that the defense played all that bad i know you have more questions about it so go ahead
0: yeah i mean just not just the pass rush but in terms of their rushing defense they were giving up some some yards again uh it's been a pattern really this this whole year um in terms of the rushing defense is that just a Result of Tua being out uh, and some of these younger guys having to come in and, and, and fill in, or is that just a product of playing the pass with Aaron Rodgers? You're committing all your resources to stopping the pass?
1: Well, or some of that, but uh, you know, to it being down is one thing. Then when you lose Tyson Alu Alu, uh, I'd like to know the rushing stats since a has been out. Mm-hmm. And now because he's been more important because he's replaced to it at tackle. Along with his nose tackle duties. Right. Proven to be a really missed piece, especially on the nose. A lot of times they've compensated with Cam. And I didn't watch to see how often Cam played on the nose this week, but they were playing a lot of four man front and Cam was a tackle. Not that I'm saying Cam was the one blown out, but they were playing without a nose tackle a lot of times. I did notice they had some. So if Cam was on the nose, Two weeks ago, Cincinnati kind of had their way when Cam was playing the nose. I I don't want to denigrate Cam. I I think he's played really good ball, but he's not a nose tackle. You know, he's moved from – he's played a lot of 4-3 end in his life at, at Ohio State, and he just keeps moving inside more because they want to take advantage of that pass rush and uh you know so injuries there have taken their toll uh the the run game also i wanted to i looked up the stats thinking that the first half would be worse for green bay
2: because mm-hmm.
1: that, that what was it 11 minutes they had the ball wrapped around halftime yeah strong drives on each side of halftime i think it really gassed the defense yeah and but the running stats don't say that the the packers actually had a better uh, had more yardage and a better average in the first half than the second half. So okay. that throw that theory out that, but I do think they were a little tired, especially after that, that long drive to start the second half. Yeah, And they played so well and valiantly to hold green Bay to field goals, trying to keep the team in it. And they did keep the team in it. Those long field goal drives. Yeah. So, uh, I, I'm not I'm not as down on the defense as maybe some people want to be.
0: Got it. So that's a good point. You know, thinking about those two big drives and how much time that took there prior to the half, and then following halftime, really you got a gassed unit, um, and then you couple that with an offense that's not sustaining drives, and so really it just shows how the offense and the defensive units have to be symbiotic and work in tandem because if one's not doing their job, it's going to impact the other. So. Um, probably the better unit on this team. And if they're going to turn this thing around, it's got to start defensively. So yeah.
1: it's like our podcast. You've turned it around with symbiotic. <laughs> you, you you used uh, skittish. It was uh, the word I turned last week's podcast around with, and you brought that back. Yeah. Oh, bringing back symbiotic uh, in the future. <laughs> Definitely. I like that.
0: We got our own little vocabulary list that we follow here, so.
1: But it's so true too. It's a perfect word for the description you're trying to make. Uh, you know how offense and defense and special teams all work in tandem. Yeah. And just to, I know you want to hit special teams a little later, but look, look who made the big special teams plays. A couple starters. Yeah. I mean, it went for, naught. But
0: – That was a killer.
1: It was still two gassed defenders who just did their best to save another touchdown, keep four more points off the board, you know?
0: Yeah. And that you just have to wonder how the complexion of the game changes if they go into the, the half with the lead, 17-14. You know, there could have been a momentum swing there, um, but yeah. we'll never know, you know, how that would have worked out.
2: Yeah.
0: Uh, so, you know, we covered the offense, we covered the defense, just want to get into some bigger, more global questions about this team before we get into the terrible three. So and watching rothisberger play as you said you know you don't need someone to tell you that he's getting older that he's on the decline it's just a natural part of where he is in his career at 39 18 years in and i'm not tr- i'm not saying this should happen but when does it become time uh, or will there come a time this season where it's time to sit bend down for mason and do you see that happening in the remaining 13 games
1: it's <clears throat> It's got to be when the coach feels that the other guy helps him win right now. I, I feel the same way Tomlin does. I, I look at Ben. I said, my best chance to win today is with this guy.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Get some things ironed out, <laughs> get him back to being, you know, sit down with the offensive coordinator. What are your problems here?
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Well, if they're hopeless, you know, if Ben just really if he if he can't change the call, if he's not reading defenses, if he doesn't understand the offense, the head coach will know. And then he'll realize this guy doesn't give me the best chance anymore. Yeah. For instance, the RPOs. That's that's Mason. You know, he's a kid and kids grew up on the RPOs. And mm-hmm. Mason did that in in college all the time. It seems foreign to Ben still after three, four years of, of doing it. It seems almost unnatural to watch him run these RPOs. Like he doesn't have a real feel for it. Mm -hmm. Whereas Mason definitely does. So the coach, it's up to the coach to who gives me a better chance to win. Not about grooming or any of that crap. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: Who gives me a better chance to win even at five and 11? Mm -hmm. That's how coaches operate. Who gives me a better chance to win today? I'm not thinking about next year. Even though it looked like he quit at other times in the game, the head coach is not going to quit. When it comes to choosing his quarterback, he's not going to quit on the year.
0: Right. So, in, in terms of that, just with the the history that Ben has with the Steelers organization and the relationship between Tomlin and Roethlisberger, do you think Tomlin can have that conversation with that as tight as he is with Ben? Um, is he willing to say, "Hey, it, it's time for you to time for you to sit. It's over."
1: I think he can. I mean, whoever did it to Eli had to have that, Eli mm-hmm. Um Personally, I don't think that time is now. It's just mm-hmm. myself. If Mason would have played better in the preseason, I expected a bigger jump this year for him. Yeah. And, uh, I mean, I think Haskins is just a, a non-factor. I, I, I see that Haskins should be used more. And people say it's mo- his mobility, and that inflames the people who know his forty time. Wayne mm-hmm. I mean, Haskins does, Mason probably ran a better forty at the combine than Haskins. Mm-hmm. But just from my, you know, the naked eye, Haskins has better mobility. I I just I see it, and people want to say you see it because he's black quarterback and you think they have better mobility. No, I really think Haskins is a more mobile quarterback. Yeah. I've seen him with some nice runs in the preseason. Mm-hmm. So that's what he's got going, and, and I, I hesitate because of the times and the reaction people get when you say Haskins is more mobile, and you're kind of like that behind a, a bad offensive line, a growing offensive yeah. line. Uh, mobility should be a factor. So that gives Haskins a little edge, but uh, neither of them performed well enough in preseason. Now I should watch them clo- more closely in practice, especially on Wednesdays. Uh, because that's when they get to play. And I still agree with Tom on sitting Ben on Wednesdays. I know it seems to be a point of contention with a lot of fans. I mean, this is arm management. This isn't give Ben a vacation, give Ben time off, all that. Yeah. It's arm management. They're trying their best to, to, to have his arm healthy enough later in the year when they believe they'll be playing big games. It was a little moot at this point, but that's the thinking behind Ben sitting on Wednesdays. And that's when Mason gets to play. Yeah. And that's when he gets to develop. And so maybe if he starts showing something on Wednesdays, then maybe he'll get the call.
0: Got it. How about Tomlin? Is his seat getting warm yet?
1: Well, I mean, you know, I don't know if Art Rooney says, why didn't you onside kick? And if he says, we had our timeouts left, I was hoping – To pin them back, I didn't want to give Aaron Rodgers the ball to 50-plus. They had their hands team on the field, and they were all expecting it. If you remember, the the long kick was downed by the return man. Mm -hmm. So, yes, they were expecting onside. But they just didn't get the ball with enough time left, did they? So it it should be questioned. And uh, Tomlin's most famous call as a coach was an onside kick against Aaron Rodgers with the lead. (laughs) You know, so <laughs> now he doesn't so you have to question that and um, uh, the punt on fourth and nine i tell you it might have been a quit at the moment because he was sick to his stomach of watching that offense yeah so it was fourth and four and deontay johnson moves now it's fourth and nine myself I mean, w- without being a rational human coach myself was get that get that team off the field and I was <laughs> wondering if Tomlin had the same reaction it wasn't the proper call he should have gone for it on fourth and nine at that point in the field but
2: right
1: just get these guys off the field so I kind of agreed at that moment but that's another call that should be questioned are you quitting you know what, what's going on here so you know ask Tomlin. He'll give his explanations to us. I'm not saying they're worthless, but talk with Art Rooney. If Art wants to know what this is about, that'll be more honest and uh, he'll explain himself better. And uh, he usually has a lot of thought and good reasoning behind his his moves. Got it. But you have to look at it and say, what the heck? (laughs) Come on. Yeah. Nine on your on the other side of the field. Come on. Yeah. It's not over
0: Playing scared a bit.
1: I don't, well, you know, I don't agree with people that throw the living in his fears stuff at him because you can, you can live in your fears on either side of any argument. You can call it living in your fears. So right. he's not living in his fears of not getting the ball back. We'll get the ball back. I'm not afraid. So if he says it that way, then he's not living in his fear. So people just want to throw his stuff back at him.
0: Yeah. Right. Yeah. And especially as frustrated as fans are right now, it's understandable that they're coming from that place. And with all the frustrations considered, Jim, is there any reason to be optimistic about what's ahead and where does this team go from here?
1: Well, like I said, I thought Devin and Minka played great. And TJ's coming back. And, you know, when Tude comes back, their defense is don't, don't forget about that defense. Um there are some real pieces there and that offensive line is working right now. And you know, the, the left tackle, I think you found a left tackle, which is rare to do. Um, So the rebuild on the line is underway. You have a real gem at running back. You have receivers, Friar move. You know, it's time to start looking at quarterbacks. That's what we, we've got a couple stories coming in this week on, uh, on steel city insider about who to watch. Yeah. <laughs> As I wrote, the other day i finally started looking into the college football season I, I like to wait until stats reach four or five games before i start handicapping college football i have a few methods i like to uh find winners and that's when i really get intense on in college football so i yeah. haven't yet mainly because the bobcats are so hot right now <laughs> and so uh all right, the old miss quarterback. And guess what? He's playing Alabama. All right. This yeah. is my first college football game of the year. How am I? Of course, who's better? Alabama's quarterback. The Alabama's quarterback's better. He's always better. I right. love that quarterback last year, Mac Wilson. Everybody told me he has no tools. He's just a product of the, the system. And I said, You watch, he'll be the next Tom Brady. <laughs> <Congrats> <laughs> him. So uh, you know, stick stick. T- As I warn people, I tell you my story, stick with your own hunches, even though you get blasted on message boards, stick with your hunches. Yeah. I don't know. Lane Kiffin went for every fourth down and really, really boogered that game up for Ole Miss. Yeah. You know, kick your field goals. It's the first quarter. This is a long game against Alabama. You're not going to score a touchdown every time against them. And that quarterback just, I I like the Alabama quarterback better. So, I don't know what we've got coming out uh, totally, but I've got uh, two two of my draft writers on it, and we'll have uh, the complete college quarterback breakdown by the end of the week.
0: Great, yeah, and I I may or may not have uh, done a few mock drafts already,
1: <laughs> but I <laughs> won't
0: admit that on air. So,
1: well, who do you like?
0: Uh, the The Malik Willis kid out of Liberty. So, yeah. but I mean, if, if he's going to be around, I mean, yeah, he's a small school guy. Yeah. Oh, so, I, you know, it's early. In the process. And the, uh, the kid from Western PA, the Phil Jerkovic who played for Pine Richland. I know he's not rated as highly, but I'm just very early in the process of looking at quarterbacks for next year, but.
1: Jerkovich get injured.
0: Um, I think he was injured last year. I thought, I'm not sure about this. I really haven't followed too closely. I've been so deep in the Steelers, but, uh.
1: I love his tools, but there's a lot of erratic passes and, yeah, you know yeah. that's what the, the the kid from alabama last year is it mac wilson or mac jones they had a couple of Macs, mac jones the linebacker yeah mac jones, yeah mac wilson was is a linebacker for, for the, the
0: browns. browns yeah
1: mac jones man he didn't have those erratic moments yeah he threw some bad passes but nothing okay these guys with tools that get drafted high you know you've got to be accurate yeah I, i'm just I just don't see that consistency from Jerkovic or at least I hadn't right. I haven't watched him yet this year, but I'm enamored of his tools. Definitely.
0: Yeah. Well, we got 13 games to go before we can really get into uh prime, prime draft <laughs> discussions, <laughs> but uh,
1: first of October, we're talking draft. I know.
0: <laughs> I know it's good stuff. All right, Jim, we're going to shift over to the terrible three. This is where I fire three questions at Jim. He has no idea where they're coming from and Always get some great answers. So we're going to start with question number one through four games, four painful games. Who has been your Steelers MVP?
1: You know, Najee's one candidate, but that offense is so bad. And his stats really – I think he's only gained uh, 3.4 per carry. I can't give it to him. I can't give it to anyone on offense. So we go to defense. And uh, T.J. Watt has five sacks. Like, wow, how did that happen? But TJ missed a game. He wasn't all that effective. I think some of his sacks this past week, uh, I think he got two sacks. One was a tap down, I believe. Yeah. Another was a trip that should have been penalized. Yes. Is that a sack?
0: They counted that. Yeah.
1: Okay. I'm not, I'm not, you know, TJ's one of my finalists. I'm going to go with Cam. Okay. I really wanted to focus on the one win. So uh, I'm going to go with Cam because he played so well. And so did TJ in that Buffalo game. Yeah. Those two guys uh, were uh, tied. And since TJ's injured and missed a game, I'm going to go with Cam as the MVP right now.
0: Yeah. yeah. And they're going to need him moving forward if they're going to turn this thing thing around. And he's been a fixture on that defense in previous years. So that's a good selection. Bad officiating on Sunday uh, with overturning the uh, block field goal, return for a touchdown In your experience of covering the Steelers, um, what is the worst call against a team that rivals uh, the miss on that field goal goal block on Sunday?
1: Well, it is that call. (laughs) Because I'm really (laughs) honked off about that. It was a beautiful play. It was just magnificent on both ends. And uh, it looked like it was well-planned. And uh, when Minka scooped and stayed upright, you know, Mm -hmm. I think – Broke us, broke free from somebody initially and then turned on the Jets. It was just magnificent to watch. Yeah. And to have that taken away for something a guy didn't see. Okay. If he lined up off sides, tell us that when you're explaining the penalty. But there was no, there was none of that explanation. Mm-hmm. And uh, it was clear that he didn't move until the center snapped it. Yeah. So that was crap. Yeah. And uh, the worst call, you know, I'm sure I've been inflamed a lot worse (coughs) than, (coughs) excuse me, (coughs) the Troy Polamalo um, overturn of his interception in the Colts playoff game. I was trying to think of the biggest games. I couldn't think of Super Bowl problems. I'm sure Seattle can. Mm -hmm. I I defy the Seahawks in the 2005 Super Bowl to really name one play that was a bad play, bad Mm -hmm. call. Even though they continue to cry about that Super Bowl, I was thinking of bad calls in uh, the games they've lost. I don't recall anything worse than Neil O'Donnell's picks in that Super Bowl. And in the Packers game, you know, the missed block by DJ and the fumble by Mendenhall, the missed block by Kimoyatu on Ben's pick six, those were worse than any referee's calls. So I got to go with the Troy Polo-Malo when he intercepted that pass of Peyton Manning and had it overturned. Yeah. I'll I'll go with that one because it's, it's known it's legendary, but I'm sure I've been more inflamed by others. Right. It's technically by the rule, Polamolo's knee did not come back up off the ground before he fumbled. So by those archaic, awful rules at the time, you could have stretched that to justify your call. But even, Mm -hmm. even the NFL didn't even try to use that.
2: Right. So they right. came
1: out and apologized. It was a horrible call, and they still won the game. So I'm sure there are worse calls, but nothing yeah. comes to mind right now.
0: Well, hopefully they could get some support and love from the refs moving forward here in the uh, last 13 contests. All right, Jim, in the last question, after four games, which is more likely by season's end for the Steelers? A playoff berth, division championship, an 8-9 record, or a top 10 draft position?
1: i got to think top 10 draft is why I've assigned the quarterbacks. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I, and I told them, I, I, tell me who the top quarterback is. Yeah. Don't tell me who the sleepers are. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so that's what I'm assigning at this point. Yeah. That must be what I believe. And um, it's sad. And I've been wrong about this season. And a lot of people are laughing because a lot of people said they were done. A lot of people said Ben was done people in the know in the media who we laughed at after the bills game said he would be benched by halfway in the season yeah i i can't refute any of that right now
0: yeah yeah sadly it's uh it's the reality uh and such is life in the nfl uh, but hopefully this weekend one o'clock at home at Heinesfield, the steelers can get off the schneid versus the denver broncos are bringing in a ferocious pass rush ben may not make it out of this game Uh, So the the Mason era could start sooner rather than later. But Jim, always great talking Steelers football with you this episode five, October 5th. Maybe this is the week of fives. Maybe there is some significance. The next week we'll be saying, hey, remember, it was the week of fives. It would be like 25-15 score the Steelers win.
1: Well, uh, hopefully we can talk about how the uh, symbiotic relationship between all units worked perfectly.
0: (laughs) And how the general contributed to a uh, powerful ground attack. Uh, Well, listeners, thank you so much for joining us again. It's a pleasure uh, for us to be able to do this show for all of you. Please give Jim a follow on Twitter at Jim Wexel and check out his work uh, on the Still City Insider. It's phenomenal. You can give me a follow at Still Study on Twitter and visit my site, thestillstudy.com, and we will see you back here next Tuesday on the Steelers Insider Podcast. Have a great week.
1: Thanks, Jeremy.